All right, welcome, everybody. Hey, so good to see you, and thanks so much for making it to River Glen. Thanks for making us part of your weekend. And those of you joining us online, wherever you might be, uh, just delighted to have you uh, here with us. Well, that was kind of an awkward uh, prayer moment in the uh, movie scene. I think that's my favorite awkward prayer scene from a movie. Question for you, have you ever had an awkward prayer moment? Sometimes prayer can be a little bit awkward. I'll tell you what, over the years I've had some awkward prayer moments in the uh, hospital. You know, I make hospital visits and you never know how sick somebody is in the uh, hospital room. And uh, one time I visited someone in the hospital and I asked, would it be okay if I prayed with you? And the person responded by vomiting. And uh, just a little uh, awkward, but uh, didn't stop me. But I tell you what, some of my most awkward prayer moments came in youth group growing up. I'm curious, how many of you, anybody here attend a youth group growing up when you were in high school or junior high? Yeah, quite a few of you attended youth group. Uh, Some of my most awkward prayer moments came in the youth group prayer circle when we would hold hands. Yeah, it seemed like there's always the same people anytime we had these uh, prayer circles. There was the guy, the bone crusher, you know, that would almost break break the bones in your hand. The girl with the uh, uncontrollably sweaty palms. And then there was that guy, uh, you know, that guy that would uh, strategically stand next to the girl that he had a a crush on so that she would be forced to hold uh, his hand for the duration of the uh, prayer. Uh, Pretty pretty smooth. But I'll tell you the worst one uh, for me, working as a camp counselor, late in the evening having a prayer circle on a warm summer night. And somebody gets on a roll, you know. Uh, somebody goes on and on. They're, they're rambling in their prayer. Uh, they're circling the runway. And the mosquitoes are biting your legs. And, uh, you know, you're like, come on, pal. Hurry up. I'm losing blood here. I'm going to need a transfusion if you don't uh, hurry up and uh, wrap this up. Well, prayer can be uh, dangerous, literally. But uh, you can relax. That's not the kind of prayer that we're talking about in this series. We began last weekend challenging each other to open up our lives and to pray in such a way that allows God to lead us into a deeper and deeper relationship with him. Because whether you have followed Jesus for five days or for five decades, there's always room for growth. There's always a next step. A next step in a relationship with God. Next steps in our relationships with each other. And next steps in our relationship with the world. Uh, But today we're going to focus on that second uh, relationship, connect. That's about my relationship with each other. In the church family. Now, in my experience, when we talk about next steps, I always tend to focus on my part, my role, which is important. But today I want to focus on how, as a church community, we can collectively take a step together and grow our faith. So here's a question that I want us to begin to wrestle with today. What might happen if we became a community of Jesus followers that consistently prayed for and with each other. How dangerous of a church would we become if we became intercessors for each other? Now, I know when you hear that word intercessor, it probably conjures up different images in your mind. I don't know, maybe you picture a a, a priest wearing a robe, wielding incense. Or maybe you picture a slick-haired tele-evangelist asking you to put your palm on the TV for healing as long as you send in a donation uh, via their hotline, or maybe you couldn't tell if I said uh, intercessor or hairdresser, and you're kind of confused uh, right now. So here's the word. Let's take a look at this word. I want to unpack the meaning of this word, because I think it's un- misunderstood and gets explained sometimes in church in ways that are not helpful. The word, the word intercessor, it simply means to pray on behalf 
of others. In the original language of the Old Testament, the word for intercessor is the word paga, which means to meet. And it creates this beautiful idea of meeting with God on behalf of others. I love the way that author Richard Foster puts it. He writes, if we truly love people, and I think that we do, we'll desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. And this will lead us to prayer. Intercession is a way of loving others. I love that idea. Intercession, this idea of meeting with God on behalf of others as a way to, to love them. And this kind of praying, this kind of love in other people, it just permeated the, the early churches in the New Testament. We see countless examples of people in the Christian community, in these various new churches, interceding for each other because they saw the necessity and the power of meeting with God on behalf of other people. Speaking of the early church, did you know that Jesus had a half-brother by the name of James, James, who was actually a leader in the early church. And James went on to write quite a bit about this kind of, of prayer. I always, I always think it must have been difficult for James growing up as the uh, half-brother of Jesus in the same household. Uh, I mean, how many times did James hear the phrase, why can't you be more like your brother Jesus? Yeah, well, Mom, for starters, he's the Messiah. That's a tough standard to try and live up to. But James grows up and he becomes this man devoted to prayer. Historians tell us James had kind of a funny nickname. He prayed so much that it actually altered his body physically. They called him Old Camel Knees because he spent so much time on his knees praying that he developed these calluses like a, like a camel. But don't miss this. James grew up living and watching Jesus and he saw something in Jesus that led him to become this man of persistent prayer. Look at what James says here in chapter 5 of his letter in the New Testament. He says, is anybody in trouble among you? I wonder, is anybody in trouble here today? Hopefully not run from the police kind of uh, trouble. But maybe some of you would say, yeah, you know, that's me. I'm in some trouble. What does he say to do? He says, let them pray. Is anybody happy? Do what we just did. Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church, leaders of the church, your friends from church, to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Look at this. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. See, back in the first century church, they had this determined commitment to pray for each other, this regular rhythm of intercessory uh, prayer. And reading about their lives makes me stop and ask a, a question that might feel a little uncomfortable. But how often do we intercede for each other? How frequently do we step into the trenches and passionately pray for and with each other? You ever had this happen to you? Um, somebody shares a struggle uh, with you and you give that typical Christian response and uh, you say, I'll pray. I'll pray for you only to walk away and completely forget to ever pray for that person. You know, I'll confess, I'm not proud of it, but, but I've done that. So why is it so hard? Why do we find it so difficult to pray for other people and ask other people to pray for us? Well, I want to make a few guesses at this. Here's my first guess. We don't because we didn't. I mean, I probably don't need to convince a lot of people that you need to pray, right? Most of us are like, yeah, I know I need to pray, just like I need to go to the gym and eat kale, unfortunately, right? 
I know that I should, but because I didn't, I feel guilty, and so I don't. It's like that person that you forgot to call back, and uh, you, know, you didn't call them back. A couple days later, you're in the grocery store, and you see them, and so you duck into another food aisle to avoid being seen because, you, because we feel guilty, and we, we, we don't even want to do it even more. Or how about this one? Maybe, maybe some of us can relate to this one. We don't know where to begin. You know, we don't know what to say. I think this is a reason why many people don't pray. I don't know, I don't know how to pray. Um, but take a look here at what Paul writes to the church in Rome about this. He says that sometimes we, we don't know what we ought to pray for. And so if you don't know what to pray for, if you don't know how to pray, you're in pretty good company. Paul, Apostle Paul says, sometimes I don't know. How to pray, but that's not the end of the verse. It goes on to say, "But the Spirit Himself, and here's our word, intercedes for us through uh, through wordless groans." Catch that? As we intercede for other people, God intercedes for us. And so, knowing what to say or how to say it is not our primary concern because God knows what we're trying to say, and God will fill in those gaps when we don't know what to come up with. Or maybe this is the reason we forget that prayer is an invitation. Maybe for you, you know, in prayer, you feel like an unwanted house guest. You know, like God's getting the vacuum out and God's like, take a hint, time for you to go, time for you to leave me alone. But prayer is not our attempt to try to get God's attention. Prayer is our response to an invitation. God invites us to pray. God loves to hear us pray. Or maybe this one, we have an unhealthy fear of God. I say unhealthy because the Bible talks about a healthy fear, a healthy respect for God. But my guess is that for some people in this room today, your relationship with your earthly dad was not good, maybe still not good. And it's difficult for you to see God as a loving and compassionate father. But hear me in this. He is a good father. He is a loving father, a father who is proud of you. God's proud of you, and God desires for each one of us to seek him. Or maybe it's not any of those. Maybe, you know, you hear those, and you go, none of those four resonate with me. And for you, prayer is just uh, boring, you know? But I, I was thinking about something. You know, I wonder if the reason prayer is boring for you is because your prayers are too safe. In other words, is it possible you find prayer boring because 90% of your prayers are about you? And when the bulk of our prayers are about what I want... And what I need, it leaves us feeling bored. And so I wonder what might happen if we became a community of people that really prayed with and for one another. Not just on the weekends, not just in small groups, but all the time. I want to share a story with you. I think it's a beautiful story from the Old Testament that illustrates the power of intercessory prayer. And I hope this inspires us to to, to pray and intercede for each other. We pick up this story after God has freed the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses and Joshua are the leaders of Israel. They, they, they lead them through the wilderness on their way to the promised land, but they get attacked by a group of people called the Amalekites. Now, to really help us picture and follow this story, I'm going to need some uh, help. I'm going to ask some people to... Uh, help me out. I need somebody to play the role of Moses. And I went ahead and I picked my friend Dave Cole. So Dave, uh, come on up here and uh, let's give it up for Dave. Yep, many of you know Dave. Dave joined our staff to launch the uh, Pewaukee campus uh, this fall. So Dave's got a big challenge 
ahead of, of him, but Dave's got an even bigger challenge uh, today. This is, these are some big shoes to fill, uh, Dave, uh, the shoes of Moses. You up for this? I, I guess so, yeah. Okay, we got a beard. All right. Prophet beard for you there, Dave. And uh, there you go. Nice and warm. And we've got some hair, some prophet hair. Yeah, Moses hairdo, there you go, ready to go, Dave's ready uh, to go. So here he is, Moses, the leader of the uh, Israelite nation, and Joshua is his uh, field general. And Moses says uh, to Joshua, choose some of the men, of of our men, and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Now, if I'm Joshua, uh, here's what I'm wondering. You know, Moses, um, you know, why don't you go down into the valley and fight the Amalekites, and I'll go uh, to the top of the hill and uh, pray. But uh, Moses and and Joshua play a game of uh, rock, paper, uh, scissors, and uh, Moses wins. And No, no, uh, Moses has seniority, and uh, that's why Moses goes to the hill uh, to pray, and Joshua goes off to battle with the Amalekites. And so Uh, Moses takes his staff, got the staff here, very important. Moses takes the staff with him up to the top of the uh, hill. Now, this staff that Moses carries is is very significant. It's not just an ordinary stick. God has used this staff many times. God's done some incredible things through this staff. For example, one time Moses raised that staff in the air, and he called down a great storm. Another time, they wandered the wilderness, and the people of Israel, they nearly died from thirst. And Moses, he hits a rock, and uh, water gushes out. And then there's the famous scene from the old movie, The uh, Ten Commandments, where Charlton Heston, maybe remember this, he raises the staff, and he parts the Red Sea so that that the Israelites can walk through on dry ground. So when uh, Moses goes up that hilltop, he takes that staff, and here's what he does. Very important. Moses holds the staff over his head. And so Moses, I want you to hold that staff I want you to keep that staff uh, up over, over your head, and uh, you'll do just fine. And this is where it gets interesting, okay? Because as long as Moses holds his staff over his head, the Israelites are winning against the Amalekites. The battle goes well for the Israelites, but when the staff goes down beneath his head, when it drops it down, guess what happens? The Amalekites start winning, and the uh, Israelites start losing. Now, I can't help but wonder if Moses knew how this was going to work. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Moses thought that he would go up to that hilltop and he'd raise that staff over his head, you know, one time and then, you know, drop it uh, down. But oops, you know, the, the, the Israelites are, are losing. Get that back up over your head. People are dying. Or maybe Moses holds it up for a while and then he had a itch. And so, you know, he scratches that. Hey, man, get that back over your head. People are dying. Come on, Moses. Um, or I wonder if Moses did, you know, like a bench press you know, move, uh, losing, winning, losing, winning, losing, winning. I would have done that. I would have totally done that. But um, either way, Moses, Moses had to keep that staff above his head, which over time became a problem. I mean, you can imagine, after hours and hours, his arms would get tired, the staff would drop, and the Israelites would begin uh, to lose. So, hey, let's check in. How you doing, Moses? Yeah, He's hanging in there. Good. Keep it up. So even though Moses isn't on the battlefield, he's not on the battlefront, he plays a critical role praying and interceding on the uh, hilltop. Now, I just want to pause here uh, for a moment because, you know, all of us face battles, don't we? 
Um, maybe you're here today and uh, you're in a physical battle right now. And you or maybe a loved one has an illness that just won't go away. Or I don't know, maybe your battle is more relational. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's somebody that you love. And that relationship has begun to unravel and you fear that it could come completely undone. Maybe it's financial for you and you're just going through this really tough money season. Money's really tight and you just can't fight your way through it. Or maybe it's just life in general. Maybe it's just the weight of what's going on in your life. Difficult times are inevitable and we feel like we're in a very weird, real battle. Just like Moses and the Israelite in the Israelite army. Let's just let's check in again. Moses, you doing okay? Good, good. Oh, hey, keep it up. We're counting on you. Keep that staff above your head. So here's what happens, okay? You know, Moses starts getting tired from holding the staff above his head. Well, God did amazing things through this staff. It, did, it would not levitate on its own. And this is where something I mentioned earlier becomes critically important. I don't know if you caught this, but Moses doesn't go up the hill alone. It says, so Joshua fought the Amalekites as, as Moses had ordered. Look at this. Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. That's right. Aaron and Hur went with him. And so I'm going to need a couple of volunteers uh, to come up and help Moses. Moses. Moses, you got any friends that you can call? Go ahead and call them up. Oh, here they are. All right. Aaron and Hur. Let's give it up for Moses' friends. Okay. Aaron was like Moses' right-hand man. Her, scholars think, was maybe his uh, brother-in-law. Now, I don't know if Moses uh, knew that he was going to need help when he went up this hill or if he just, you know, didn't want to track that journey alone. But he reached out for support to help him with the weight of this particular uh, battle. And so here's what happens. Moses begins to get tired and his arms uh, begin to drop. And Aaron and her, what they do is they get a rock and put it under Moses as a uh, chair. Moses, you want a chair? Uh, too bad. We don't have one. Uh, keep it up. You're going to do fine. And so even though they give him a chair, he's still tired. And then Aaron and her, what they do is they prop up Moses' arms. They hold up his hands. And so go ahead and grab his, grab his arms there and, and prop him up, okay? And this is the picture I want to resonate with your soul today. Aaron and her intercede on behalf of Moses as Moses intercedes on behalf of the Israelite army. They stand with him. They hold him up. And the Israelite army defeats the Amalekites, the staff, because the staff stays over the head of Moses. All right, let's give Moses and his friends a big hand. Thanks for your help. Great job, you guys. Well done. Well done. One of the reasons I chose uh, Dave uh, to play the role of Moses is because Dave's got a big challenge ahead of him. This fall, we're launching a new campus in Pewaukee, and Dave needs our support. Dave needs our prayer. And so if you'd be willing to pray for him, there's a card in the seat back in front of you. It says Pewaukee Campus on it. Just check the box that says prayer and drop that off. Give that to Dave. He'll be in the lobby after the service. If you live in Pewaukee or near Pewaukee, we would love for you to say yes to serving one year on the launch team. That would just be an amazing uh, help to uh, the mission that we're carrying out here in Pewaukee. Just fill out that card, give it to Dave, or if you have questions, you can give it to Dave in the lobby after the service. But we all face challenges and battles. We all have an enemy that wants to bring us down, just like those Amalekites 
wanted to bring down God's people. And if we hope to gain victory in these battles, we have got to equip ourselves, wouldn't you agree, with everything that God gives to us. And God gives us what he gave Moses and Joshua. God gives all of us prayer, and he gives us each other. And so i got a few challenges for you today based on this story about Moses and intercessory prayer. Here's the first one. Make time for prayer. Make time for prayer because I think all of us, if we're honest, we have a tendency to view prayer as, as unproductive time, as a passive use of our time. But in this battle with the Amalekites, prayer was not, was not preparation for the battle. Prayer was not a, was not a tool to assist with, with the battle. Prayer was the battle. Victory depended on three guys praying on the hilltop. And so I want to ask you, I want to challenge you to go ahead and make an appointment to spend some time with God. If you have a calendar with you, maybe you've got a calendar on your, on your phone, go ahead and take that out and make an appointment tomorrow or later today to spend time with God in prayer. If you're a morning person, do it in the morning. If you're a night person, do it at night. Devote some time because prayer helps us win our battles. God's power flows through prayer. Second challenge, remind yourself to pray for others. Think about it. That's why Moses went to the hilltop, so that he could see the, the, the Israelite army, and he could remember to pray for them. He could, he could watch his people and, and say, God, you know, give strength to that one over there. God, give courage to this one over here. His knees are buckling. God, don't let this one fall over here. Going to the top of the hill, it helped him to, re, to, to, to see all the men and re, to remember to pray for them, to intercede for them. Some people find that it helps to make a list of, of various people and their needs. And then when they pray, they, they look at that list, they read over that list, and they intercede for those people. Another habit that some people find helpful to remember to pray for others is to weave, learn to weave prayer into ordinary conversations. Get into the habit of saying, can I pray with you right now? Or get into the habit of praying for people on the phone when you're, when you're talking with them. A couple days ago, I received this group email from someone asking for prayer. And several people hit, hit reply all and said, I'll pray for you, which is great. That's fantastic. But one person, I thought this was creative. Uh, one person actually wrote a prayer for this person and hit, re hit reply all on the uh, email. And I thought, what a great way to weave prayer into our daily interaction, into our daily communication. Someone else went home last night after the service and posted on Facebook and said, just said, how can I pray for you? And uh, five people messaged this person with specific and personal prayer requests. You know, if you ask people, you will find all kinds of needs that you can pray about, all kinds of ways that you can intercede for other people and, and hold them up, just like Aaron and her held up Moses. Find creative ways to remember to pray for others. And then third, remember answered prayers. You know, sometimes God answers a prayer and uh, we celebrate it and then we just kind of forget about it. But it's important to remember those answered prayers. I think that's why in verse 15 it says, Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. This is just a simple altar. It's basically a pile of rocks. But every time Moses would see those, those rocks on that hill, it reminded him how God answered that prayer. And they won that battle. 
and it encouraged him. You know, one of the ways I think that we can uh, build an altar is that when God answers a prayer, write it down somewhere so that you remember it. If you have a, a prayer list, if you, have, if you keep a prayer journal, devote a section to answered prayer. And then in times of darkness or discouragement, you can go back and you could read that list and remember that God is faithful and God will come through for you. And then here's the, here's the, here's the final challenge and really the, the, the main one today, and that is join a small group because you need some people. I need some people. We all need some people in our life like Aaron and her. Who are the people that you're asking to pray for you? And who are the people that you're asking, how can I pray for you? Because prayer helps us win the battle. Helps us win our battles. Not, not just individual prayer, but prayer in community. Prayer in groups. So I want you to hear this story about prayer from uh, one of our small groups. Take a look at the screens. So our small group kind of follows this usual pattern of what you would expect. We chit chat a little when we get together and then we spend some time um, in a study or scripture and then we uh, end with prayer. When we take prayer requests, uh, we usually do it at the end of our small group. We go around and lift up anybody that needs uh, some prayers for the week and sometimes it's about us but sometimes it's about people that are in our lives that need some extra prayer. That's a time where we come together and we talk about things going on in our lives whether it's things that we need support on or even things that we need praise for. Opening up those vulnerabilities really kind of brings us closer together so we can share that throughout the week and lift up those in, in need. It's new territory for me to pray out loud or to hear someone else pray for you out loud, to hear your name in prayer. So it's at first it was a little bit awkward for me and I, they even made a joke about it at the end, like Shannon, was that super awkward for you? And I was yes, it was. <laughs> but it was also very nice and very comforting to know like, yay, you guys know what's going on in my life. and. I'm glad that we can share this together and we're all praying about this one thing that's on my heart right now. So about three or four years ago, I was having um, a bout of pretty bad depression and um, our small group just completely supported us through that. I mean, we would spend time at the end of our, our small group time and just really intentionally praying. Um, and I, I had people checking in with me and it also gave me an outlet to say whatever I needed to say or whatever I needed to get out without judgment. I remember leaving that small group like, wow, that was really brave of her to just open it up and be so, this is just who I am. And I was just, I felt very encouraged that she was so open about her depression. So it just made me feel like a little bit more normal, just that we're sharing this together. And also she gave me advice on like what kind of prayers you could say when you're going through anxiety or depression. So it was just, I don't know, it was just very comforting to know that Everyone in the group was so just willing to talk about real things. Right. It's really neat being uh, a part of a group and having people in your life that, that you can trust and with prayer requests at any time. It's more than just that time at the end of your group. It's, it's the relationships that you're building and, and the trust that you're building with people that are going to support you. Let's give them a hand. I appreciate them sharing about how they pray in their group. And I love the way that they intercede for each other and hold each other up. And I love the way that they interceded for Jess and, and held her up. Small groups are the best place to actually experience the power of intercessory prayer. I'm part of a, a men's group on, on Tuesday nights. 
And uh, recently one of our guys went through some medical tests. And I know you probably think Ben's a pastor, Ben prays all the time, but I, I don't. And it's a struggle for me. But I found that after getting to know each other in a group, that I naturally found myself thinking about my friend and praying for, for my friend and texting him multiple times to find out the results of his test. And it wasn't just me. I mean, the whole group stepped up and interceded for him and held him up. And then we celebrated the answered prayer. I'm, I'm telling you, I don't think we talk about this enough. Small groups, I'm telling you, will, will give a boost Big boost to your prayer life. Because here's the deal. You can't really intercede for other people and have other people intercede for you if you don't know them well. And really, the best next step that many of us need to take is to get connected to others through a small group. And next weekend, we've got a great opportunity for you, a great event to help you find a small group. It's called Group Link. I think you were handed a card on your way in. Just go ahead and fill that out. And take that to the connect wall after the service. And group link will be a great opportunity to help you find the right group uh, for you. And if you're already in a small group, I want to challenge you. I want to push you in your group. What if this week you begin to ask each other, how can I pray for you? And then share ways that other people can pray for you. How dangerous of a community. How dangerous of a church would we become if we began to intercede on each other's behalf? If we had the courage to say, you know what, I had a rough week, having a rough day, I need some help. I'm confident that if we begin to pray this dangerous prayer of intercession, God would begin to show up in our lives and in our church in ways that go beyond what we dream or imagine. It's one of the reasons why every weekend we pause at River Glen to remember the greatest example of intercession. On the night that he was arrested, Jesus shared a sacred meal with his followers, explaining to them that he would die and that he would raise again three days later to serve them as an intercessor, to build a bridge for us to God so that we could find our way back to him. The bread, Jesus explained, represents his body. The juice represents his blood. But there's another component here. If we look at what Paul says in his letter to the Corinthian church, he says, is not the cup of thanksgiving, he's talking about the cup of communion, for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ. And is not the bread, uh, that's the bread of communion that we break, a participation in the body of, of Christ. You see this meal, this bread and this juice, it's not just a, a memorial. It's not just a moment of gratitude for what Jesus did a couple thousand years ago. That's important. But it is also participation with Jesus right now. It's participation in the mission of Jesus today. As Christ loves, we love. As Christ serves, we serve. As Christ intercedes, we intercede on behalf of others. And so as the trays pass, please take the uh, double cup. And I'm going to ask you to hold it uh, for a moment during this next song. And then I'll come back up and lead us. And we'll take it together. And... Would you ask God to bring to mind, even in this moment, some people that you could intercede for, some people that you could pray for? And would you also, would you ask God for the courage to ask others to intercede for you as well? Our communion is open to anybody who says yes to Jesus. I want to encourage you to hold the cup. I'll come back up after this song and lead us together. Let me pray for us. God, we come before you thankful for prayer, thankful for an opportunity to come directly 
to your presence with our requests, our needs, and our love. But God, I know it's easy for me to get focused on what I want and what I need. And I forget, I easily forget about praying for others. I pray that you would give us the strength and the love to begin to focus more on each other, to lift each other in prayer, to intercede for each other, to hold each other up, just like Aaron and her held up Moses, and the courage to speak up when we need prayer as well. And God, most of all, as we get ready to share communion, we thank you for interceding on our behalf through Jesus so that we can know you and love you now and forever. God, we are just eternally grateful for Jesus, and it's in his name I pray. Amen.